Hey friends, I'm so, so thrilled to be bringing you season three of That's What She Did podcast. That's right, season three of this tiny little podcast that started out as a simple experiment. And here we are with season three. As is our tradition, we are launching during Women's History Month. And this season, I'm bringing you a theme that is unapologetic. Each episode is organized under the umbrella of unapologetic women. These are women unapologetically pursuing whatever lights their fire, both past and present. I'm bringing you stories of these incredible rabble-rousers, truth-tellers, and artists that are lighting fires all over the place, or that history books did not make the appropriate space for. The season is going to be such a good time, and I'm so happy that you're here with me. So buckle up and let's get started. You're listening to season three, episode five of That's What She Did podcast, and I'm your host, Tangie Renee. This week on the show, I have a very special guest for you because we've been trying to make this episode happen for a long time, and finally, we're able to make our schedules sync up. This week, I have Rebecca Henderson also known as the Tan Tigress. Rebecca is host of the Off Color podcast, a filmmaker, and co-founder of More Than One Box and Mixed Gathering, as well as a writer. Rebecca's been dipping her toe into documentary filmmaker. She has a couple of really great films out and she is working on her third project called Running With My Girls, a documentary about women of color running for local office and all of the stuff that comes with that. You want to catch this episode. She's talking about why she does what she does and how she's inspired to tell really great stories. Check it out. Hey, Rebecca. Welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing marvelously well. Marvelous, marvelous. So our audience now knows that you go by the Tantagoras. Tell us about that. Where did that come from? Oh, my gosh. So I have black and half white. And we were having dinner with my, and my husband's also mixed race. And we were having dinner. My brother-in-law, we were having this conversation. And then I said, oh, sometimes because I post a lot of like social justice related stuff, a lot of um, community-based activism kind of thing. And I was like, I'm like a Black Panther. And he was like, a Black Panther? More like a tan tigress. <laughs> and, I, and I was like, okay. I feel like it was supposed to be kind of like a diss. Ooh, I'm old. I said diss. <laughs> <laughs> say that, I think. <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to diss you. It was a burn. Remember that? It was a burn. Yeah, that's right. It was supposed to be kind of a burn, but I like was like, oh, I'm going to run with that. And because <laughs> I was like, it's true. It's so true. And then then I have my tagline. So I came up with my tagline, which is what I lack in melanin, I make up in militant. <laughs> because I'm always I'm always taking it a little bit too far. But I think that that's kind of common in um, mixed women or mixed people that are mixed with black particularly yeah like I feel like that's like a deep conversation you know what I mean but it's like it's it's the truth and for me it's also about um my privilege and the way I walk in the world with Mm -hmm. my complexion and my proximity to whiteness yeah 
You know what I mean? So like for me, I would, I try to, I love my people. I want to uplift them, you know, all those things. And the other thing I would just want to add is that um, it's because like people are like, well, you're half white too. And I'm like, yeah, I know, but ain't nobody need to hype white people. Yeah. Right. Like they don't need it. I mean, I'm just saying, so that's, that's part of it. So for me, it's, I consider myself black. I identify as black, Mm -hmm. but people aren't always trying to let you identify the way that you do. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I feel you. I'm mixed race like you. I'm light as hell like you. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like this constant thing where, you know, you're always like, where do I fit? You're always in this weird gray area growing up. Well, you know what you need? What? You need a tan tigress shirt, girl. <laughs> I do. I do. I, I got him. Can't believe I actually don't have one. <laughs> no. Well, you're gonna you're gonna get one. We got new merch. It's ready to go. It's on Teespring. I'll send you the link. Girl, girl, send me the link. I'll give you a tan tigress shirt. <laughs> it's it's weird when you're like passable, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> People say some weird things. Um, Incognito. Yeah. And when you're around <laughs> non-black people, and then they let their like whole ass hang out. And mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, you've been racist this whole time because you thought there weren't any black people in the room. Yep. <laughs> you yep. don't know me well my, enough to know. <laughs> my husband, it's worse for him because he's really white passing, like he's or white presenting, you know. Mm-hmm. The only thing way you know is you know because you look at his hair, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and his and his long ass arm. <laughs> <laughs> but he he hears all kinds of stuff all the time. It's really, it's actually kind of disturbing because people you think that you work with or, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I've heard some really disturbing things and I don't like, I'm not white presenting. I've never like had a white person mistake me for being white. Um, other than one time I was at a Greek festival and they thought I was Greek. <laughs> that was the only time. <laughs> I'm like, are Greeks white? But <laughs> you know, to everyone else, to us, they are. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's true. It's true. So I, yeah, I. My story I always tell is that I was on the, um, I was on the train. I used to live in Oakland, and I was on the BART, and I was by myself. You know, there was hardly anyone on the train, and this this old black dude gets on the train and sits right next to me, and there's like a thousand empty seats, mm-hmm. and I don't like, and I was getting off or what, you know what I mean? And so I moved, and he was like. You didn't want to move, you white bitch. And I was like, sir, I am not white. (laughs) I didn't care about the bitch. I was like, I am not white. He was probably clutching his pearls after that. (laughs) He was like, "Uh uh-oh. I'm like, don't make me show you. (laughs) That's hilarious. Yeah, so much stuff happens like that when you're light. So was that part of how you got into filmmaking with your, not the film you're working on now, right now, your former film all mixed up? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, so a couple of things happened that went into the, into the creation of that, of that documentary. Um, well, it's not really a documentary, but I can, it's, I call it a conversation starter. You know, mm-hmm. because I feel like it's something to be viewed and then have a conversation. However, why I started working on that, it's I I don't actually tell this story very much, like what really happened and how it kind of um, came to be. But 
part of it was rooted in, so my husband and I were both mixed race and we had our son. And when my son was born, he came out with red hair and blue eyes. And I, (laughs) he is adorable by the way. (laughs) I know, but girl, I was like, I want a maternity test. I'm like, whose baby is this? And it started making me feel like, I was like, damn, like, how black can I be if, like, this is my baby, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I thought he would be, like, a shade lighter than me with, like, brown hair and brown eyes. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's Mm -hmm. just, like, what I thought he would look like. And he got literally, like, every recessive gene he possibly could have gotten. And so, (laughs) but it made me start thinking about, about race in a little bit of a different way, actually. Because I'm, like, I'm raising this white kid. Essentially, I'm raising him black. Mm -hmm. Right. And he's white. So, so it's like, because to me, and I'm sure you understand this for me, blackness is, is beyond skin color. And I'm not talking about no Rachel Dolezal shit. Don't get me started on that. Don't get me started on Rachel Dolezal. That's like a whole other episode. Yes. She got everyone looking at us with a side eye. I know. Um, But anyway, oh gosh, where was I? See, she gets me so hot. I can't even think after I, after it Wait, just like sidebar, did you watch the, the Netflix special on her? Of course I did. I was of like course. screaming at the TV the entire time. It was, well, okay. But you know what it is when you watch it, you're like, oh, she's like mentally ill yeah. and yeah. not, and maybe like not a good person. Yeah. So it's like a, like naturally or something mm-hmm. because. It was like she, the perfect storm of crazy. Oh my God. To I know. get that result. But this is the question I like to ask people. I'm like, but would you let her do your hair? <laughs> you know what? <laughs> <laughs> she's talented. No, she's, she's really talented. Good. And like, so I go, so my stylist that I go to is Mexican and she does black hair. Like she's so good. And I'm always telling my cousins are like, well, I, you know, I need to get my hair cut, but like, your, your chick is, she's Mexican. She's not black. And I'm like, girl, I promise you, the majority of her clients are black. Mm, and she knows how to do it. She knows like, I'm from New doing. York. I don't know if you know, I'm from New York, outside of New York City. But the where you get your hair done in New York is the Dominicans. Because they can do every hair. Because they... They got it all, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, sorry. Okay. But anyway. Sorry. Mm. Okay, sidebar mm. over. We were talking okay. about you raising a white presenting child yes and so that was that that i feel like these are all things that kind of like contributed to the to the creative process of the film and i didn't even like know it at the time you know like it was like oh i'm like this is kind of crazy so then i uh, i don't even want to like draw attention to this but i'm going to so my dear dearly departed friend dr gregory diggs was a local community activist and he was a very good friend of mine. He was the host, original host of my podcast, mm-hmm. uh, Off Color. We hosted it together. So he and I were in this neighborhood group and I was going to, I saw this, when, you know those Facebook commercials where you see stuff and it was this documentary called How Jack Became Black. Have you seen it? I have it. I will have to check it out. No, don't. It's so crazy. Oh. But anyway, <laughs> no. <laughs> So, so it was this documentary. I got excited when I saw it because I like, I was like, oh, like I get excited about mixed race stuff. You know how it is. Like, Mm -hmm. uh, remember, remember that show Girlfriends? Yes. Like Lynn, you know what I mean? Like that was like a big deal because Tracy Ellis Ross is like not, 
is playing a black woman, even though she's biracial, right? Mm -hmm. But then Lynn was like us, like, yeah. and so it was. She it was, was like just the nice. only one, the only yeah. on TV anyway. ever. It was yeah. very notable. Um, the other one was from a different world. Mm. It was was Freddie. Oh, I forgot. And about so, that. so, so, yeah, because you're young. But it was a little bit before my time. But I, used I know to catch you don't the have to rub it late at night. <laughs> You don't need to rub it in my face that you need to <laughs> I'm not rubbing. I'm not rubbing. Okay. I'm bonding over uh, it. Okay. But that's not, but I, but you notice it because it's not common right. to see that kind of representation because typically the biracial person is the black person. Right. Even though, and no one is acknowledging it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Anyway. So I, I just was thinking, wow, I really want to see this documentary. This is so cool. Like, I bet this will be great. So I, I order it. I buy it. Like, it doesn't come. It didn't get delivered. He had to, like, resend it. Like, I, like, went. I was, like, so it was, like, a, almost, like, a highly anticipated situation, right? So we get the documentary. My husband and I sit down to watch it. And at first it starts off okay. Like, the guy, he's deaf, he's black, he's Jewish, he's married to like a Mexican lady and they have two children. And so, of course, we're like, yeah, but girl, it starts taking a turn and it turned into this weird Republican, like far right, like identity politics. There's no such thing as white privilege. Like, okay. <laughs> like, it, no. And I was, Okay, and then like full disclosure, you know, girl, we be living in Colorado, right? Yeah. And I, I had maybe partaken of something in our state that <laughs> that I I ate. Okay. The thing and, that everybody's doing in Colorado. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So what's funny is because I had done that. So at the beginning of the movie, by the end, I was like, ah! like freaking out because it was so. I was like, "What is this?" Like I kept saying it. I was like, "What's happening?" I'm like, "What's going on with this?" And my husband is like crying because he's like watching me, like just be like, "What?" You know, it's so crazy. So I called up my friend, Dr. Gregory Diggs, and I said, "What is this?" And it was actually, it was actually his birthday, and so he said, "You know, I'm gonna download it right now and watch it." Uh, then he watched it, and he was like. He's like, I know what this is. I've seen this kind of like propaganda before. And I was so, I was like, oh, I'm going to write about it because I have a blog, you know. And I was like, I'm going to write all about this. And he was like, don't give it any more attention. And then I said, I'm going to make my own film about mixed race people. Yeah. Right. So prior to this, you weren't in filmmaking. Uh, no, only as a hobby, as a, like, okay. a you know, I like making videos. I like editing, you know, I used to edit a lot of stuff like on Windows Movie Maker and so on. And I had actually, right before this, I actually made another film called What Makes a Mother. <clears throat> oh my God, sorry. Um, which I will be screening, um, on May 11th at Teeley's. We're going to do, uh, like a mother daughter thing. I'll get you the information for it. It's not like. It, the date has been selected and it's going to be great. Anyway, that's all. Okay. Okay. So I had made this What Makes a Mother film with my partner, Trish, from Stories Not Forgotten. And all we did, we interviewed moms and their daughters. And I was like, oh, I could do the same thing. And that's, kind, that's how we started the project. And so I, I produced and directed it essentially but basically we just put up a sign up sheet asked people if they wanted to come in and talk about their experiences and uh yeah that's kind of sorry if that was like too tangential but i just I so how did you find the people that were in all mixed up 
Um, because I would imagine like if somebody had said to me, hey, we're, I'm making a, a movie about mixed people. Do you want to be in it? I would have been like, hold the phone. Let me check out your social media and make sure you're not a crazy person or some far right pers- conspiracy yeah. conspiracy person. And if I can establish that you're not that, I'd have been like, yes, <laughs> where do you want me to sign up? But especially in a place like Colorado, it's just like we tend to be so invisible. So how did mm-hmm. you find them? Mm, that is a great question, but I, I put up, I just put up a sign up sheet <laughs> on the internet, <laughs> and people signed up. And I, 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 um, I had a few people like that I knew personally that I was interviewing, right? A couple people, and then, um, I believe I think the Westward did a story on it. And then I had more people like be interested in that. And so I just, I just found people. I, I know now I'm like kicking back. I'm like, how did I do that? I don't, I don't really know. Cause we did have like a lot, a lot. Um, I just started when I started the Kickstarter. Oh, now I remember. Okay. Ooh, girl, Colorado, you know what I'm saying? Ooh, <laughs> my brain a little bit dry. Okay. So I did the, I came up with the concept. I did the Kickstarter. And for the Kickstarter video, I had interviewed my friend, the late Dr. Diggs, because Dr. Diggs was black and he was um, the father of biracial children. Oh, he was married to a white woman. Mm-hmm. And so I interviewed him and his son. And then I have another friend who is a neighbor and a friend. And she, they were all in this social justice group and she was Filipina and Irish. And so mm-hmm. I inter- so I had the like the three of them and myself for the Kickstarter. And then once the Kickstarter was up and running and they did like a little story on it in the Westward, then I had a sign up link and people just signed up for it. They just mm-hmm. saw it on Facebook or they saw it um, you know, somewhere on social media or they saw the article in the Westward and that's how I did it. Amazing. So tell folks Give give a synopsis. Like, what is all mixed up for somebody that might be interested in it? It's a conversation starter because it's not like a traditional documentary. We don't follow like a family. There's no like real ups and downs, but it's just a series of interviews around topics that are pertinent to mixed race people or people in interracial relationships. And then also it is the thread of it uh, that runs through it, and we don't really say it particularly explicitly until the until the end of the film is about white supremacy, which and not I'm not just talking about like because I feel like this is one of the things Dr. Diggs taught me is you have to be able to use the words and the terminology and understand. So when mm-hmm. I'm saying like the ideology of white supremacy, I'm not talking about like the Ku Klux Klan. I'm not talking about like neo Nazis. Like that's white supremacy also. But those are that that's something different. I'm just mm-hmm. talking about this like notion that white people are somehow inherently superior. Mm-hmm. You know, and whiteness is a new concept. I mean, that's a whole other like you know, I'm like somewhat of a critical race theorist now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I gave myself that that moniker also because I found out that all a critical race theorist is is somebody that like talks and thinks about race. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm like uh, all people of color all the time <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> because oh, we have no other choice. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So uh, where was I girl? 
so it was a journey. What interests me is that you were just like this budding filmmaker mm-hmm. and um, decided to do this film. And I feel like the way you talked about it, it sounds like it was just like this little tiny thing, this little project that you did yeah. in your spare time and sort of cobbled it together. But it was really much more than that because I went to the premiere. Um, mm. I had never heard of you before that. I had only heard about the premiere like a week before I got a text message from a friend that was like, oh, somebody I work with is doing this film. You might be interested in it with a link. And I sort of read the synopsis and I was like, I'm going to that. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you. Thank <laughs> it you. It's for you. It was a packed house. And I was like, well, people are really responding to this. It was more than just this little thing that you did. It definitely had, it felt like a lot of momentum behind it. So what, in, in doing that, what do you think is the impact and where do you continue mm. from there? So I, I was also really emotionally overwhelmed by how many people showed up and how many people that were there that I didn't know mm-hmm. because some people were there because they backed the project. They gave money to the Kickstarter, sure. right? But I felt like people just suddenly had this beautiful feeling of being around mixed people and feeling like, oh, there is a community here for us in, in Denver. Um, and so because of that, and people were very emotional watching it. And then we always do a panel discussion after and kind of try to like sort through, you know, some of the emotions. And every time I've screened it, I, some people get, people get really emotional, I guess. And I showed it to um, a very small crowd here in Denver back in December. And one of the people who watched it, he's black, married to Vietnamese woman, has a mixed race daughter. And he was really surprised by how much hurt and anger there were in some of the interviews. And like in it just, just what happened happens to mixed race children that Mm -hmm. people don't necessarily realize you know, how it's, how, how it's affecting us. And so I just thought, oh, we need more spaces to be able to have these conversations and to talk about it and think about it. And like, that's how we start that. That was the reason I started the the gathering uh, more than one box, mm-hmm. which will be in August. Again, we're just planning it now, girl, but we haven't done nice. it out. MTOB. But it's I think space. I was out of town for the last one. So I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. We're going to keep it together this time. I feel like, ooh. But anyway, so I think that that, it was to push the conversation forward. And I'm actually hoping and dreaming, I have a pitch out in the world now for to do like a docu-series um, mm-hmm. and have and and kind of, just travel around and anyway, that that's in the works. Let's just leave it at that. Cause that is not a short thing, but I would love for it to happen. So at this point in your filmmaker journey, I mean, we may be looking at like the next Ava. <laughs> so, <laughs> What, what have you learned so far? How is it? Has it changed uh, you in any way? Oh my gosh. I, I just think that the power of, telling stories and like is so important. And I, I feel like telling our own stories is, is so important Mm -hmm. and you can see it. If you, um, the controversy over the Oscar best picture of the green book, Mm. I mean, people were hot about that. 
Yeah. Now, now I have an unpopular opinion about the Green Book because I went to see it and I was like, this movie's good. And everybody got mad at me. <laughs> I haven't even seen it, so I have no opinions yet. But <laughs> No, it shouldn't have won Best Picture. It had elements of white saviorism and it had, it was problematic, mm. but it was a good movie. I was entertained. I cared about the characters. I learned something new. And, but I felt like the backlash on it was everybody was so upset about the portrayal of Don Shirley, this musician that most people have never heard of. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, where's the Don Shirley biopic? Mm -hmm. Like, let's talk about telling our own stories. Let's talk about that. Mm -hmm. And so it made me realize like there is a space for me in filmmaking and it is a good medium for me, like any kind of, um, time you get to like produce content that's like from your heart and that it really speaks to you. I mean, that's, that's what, that's for me. That's what it's about is like being able to share my ideas, my perspective and hoping that it will help someone touch someone, spark something in someone's mind that will let them know like, Oh, you know what? I should tell my story too. Whatever that looks like, you know, maybe it looks like this podcast. Maybe it looks like art. Maybe it looks like, I don't know, fiction books, like whatever it is. I want people to be able to like, claim their own stories. Mm -hmm. So why this medium though? I mean, there's why filmmaking, you're a podcaster, you're a blogger, you're all, you know, you have all of these other tools that you use. So why add filmmaking to that? So, you know, my background, my uh, professional background was in library and information sciences. And one of the things that we learned when we're doing like early childhood literacy development, I learned a thing about, um, mirror neurons and so mirror neurons in your brain are when you're watching something so like you know if you're watching someone on tv and they're they're holding like a bunch of packages and they look like they're going to drop it you feel really anxious right you're Mm -hmm. like "Ah," but it's because your mirror neurons get activated and it feels like you that's why people when they watch sports they're like yeah Mm -hmm. they feel like they won it's just a, a brain chemistry thing so i think when you are watching something on the big screen and you see it it, it fires your mirror neurons in a way that I, listening doesn't. Mm-hmm. I don't think. I'm not a scientist, y'all. Um, <laughs> you might want to fact check me on that. But <laughs> I'm always like, I'm not the news, people. Um, so, yeah. So, I think that for me, I feel like it's just a very powerful medium. And I, yeah, I think that's, a, that's it. Sorry if that's mm-hmm. not the right answer. But it is the answer that I have because <laughs> I feel like. I just feel like people really respond to film. Mm-hmm. I think film is, I think film and art are actually like our most powerful tools. I like to say like the revolution will be art. Like, cause I think, yeah, I like that. that's, <laughs> that's what it is though. Like think about the stuff that really sticks with you. Think about a film, like what's your favorite film or My one favorite. that like left a really like lasting impression on you. Well, The Color Purple will always go down in my book is one of the best movies I've ever seen. And I think that's been ever made. It's the movie that will make me cry every single time I watch it, no matter how many times that I've seen it. So it's very impactful to that way. It's just such a great story. Um, my favorite movie, though, is Elf. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually what I do. My favorite in that movie is when he's like, he's like, I just can't stop smiling. I just can't stop smiling. <laughs> I just like it. I love that. That's I love really the entire scene. department store scene. Like from the yeah. time he walks into the department store to the end, I just can't get enough of it. I know, but here's the thing, right? It makes you feel good when you watch it, right? right? 
It makes you feel good. And so to me, sometimes these interviews and hearing people who are having like a similar experience to you, um, there's just something about that that I think is, is, is really beautiful too. And so it's with you. Yeah. And it makes you feel really validated. Like for me, it's been like my partner in this that, Oh girl, you should interview her, Miss Kimberly Ming. Um, so we, she grew up in Fort Collins, Chinese and Puerto Rican. Oh, I know. Right. Even girl. No, but we had such similar experiences and emotional experiences. And so when I was interviewing her, I mean, we got to be very good friends very fast as a result of that interview. Mm -hmm. Um, because I just, I looked at her and I was like, you're, you're just like me, you're a different mix, (laughs) but you're just like me. Like you had such a similar experience Mm -hmm. and it was really, for me, that was really powerful to be connecting with people on that level. Mm -hmm. So all mixed up is you're, you're continuing by that process by having some live events, creating mm-hmm. spaces for mixed mm-hmm. people. But you're on to your next film project now. Yes, right? I am. I'm so excited. So tell us about your new film tr- project, Running With My Girls. So Running With My Girls is a feature-length documentary, my first like feature, you know. Mm-hmm. And it is about women of color in Denver, Colorado, that are running for local office for um and so I'm following, well, I follow ooh, five, five women. Um, one was, spoiler alert, Chantel Lewis was one. She was running for the uh, transit board mm-hmm. and she won. Yep. So that story is real good. Yay. <laughs> um, but then now our elections are coming up in Denver uh, in May. And yeah. so I've been following uh, Lisa Calderon, who's running for mayor of Denver. And she is uh, amazing. So there's that. I'm biased, obviously. Uh, <laughs> then, but I think that's fine because that's the, that's where the title comes from. Is it's running with my girls because these are women that I know that I'm friends with, right? Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm like these are like my home girls, essentially. So it's Lisa and then Candy Cidabaca, who is running for city council, um, and then Veronica Barella. Veronica Barella is running for city council in District Three. She's interesting to me because she's older. I don't know if you know her, but have you been to the Santa Fe Arts District? Um, I don't know her personally. I know who she is. Okay. Yes. But I'm saying, but you've been to that Santa Fe Arts District? Oh, yeah. Many times. That's her work, right? Yeah. So she did so much to, like, revitalize that. And, and, and she's just, like, an old school, like, civil rights activist. Mm-hmm. Like, she's dope. Okay. She is, yeah. And, but she's older. So that's – it's hard, right, for women. So I'm trying to show – the challenges and what it really looks like for women of color to run for office because it is different than for white women when they're running. Like it's not easy for women ever. Let's just be real. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's not all struggles are the same. And so I'm, that's my wheelhouse. Like I'm interested in showing this piece of it. And, and then a small part of it is also that, Lisa Calderon is mixed race. She's black and Mexican. Mm-hmm. She loved my film, right? She saw it. Then she had me like helping her make videos. <laughs> she was like, oh my God, beautiful. So she's one. Veronica Barella is also half white, half Mexican, right? Mm-hmm. And so there is, there's just, I'm just 
kind of interested in that. And then the idea of like the, the, the cultures too. So like being Latino or Chicano or, you know, it depends on how people are identifying. Um, but yeah, so that's what it's about. We're following these women. I can't talk too much about it because I have like an NDA Mm -hmm. (laughs) with myself. Um, because we don't want people to feel uncomfortable. Nothing that we're doing is coming out until after the elections. So there's that. But it so is you can been, show the process and then the results. Yeah. Well, and it came out of this idea. A couple of people had said to me, like, oh, Rebecca, you should run for office. I've had people tell me that. Have you had people tell you that? Oh, all the time. I, I mean, I was, well, to be fair, I was in politics for a long time. For Shut most up. of my career. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Girl, I have a degree in political today. science. <laughs> oh, snap. I should interview you. Let's, I'll talk about that later. But so would you run for office? No. Exactly. And so they're telling us to run. And so for me, the municipal piece is so important because I, I mean, I grew up in, in very liberal places, New York, and I lived in California, you know, and I voted most of the time, but I never paid attention. Like, I didn't even know the name of like the mayor when I lived in Oakland. That's ignorant, and but I'll own it. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like, then they had a big old scandal and it was crazy, but... <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think like all major cities have scandals because they get big enough that people start paying attention. That's yeah. my theory. And especially from someone who was an insider. Yeah. <laughs> you just like when I know too much to ever run. <laughs> right. And so I think that's part of this film, but it's also what I'm hoping people get out of it is like a, a more of an understanding of what it takes to support women of color if they want to be in politics, because the interesting thing about all of the women are they're all very progressive. Most of them are community activists. You know what Mm -hmm. I'm saying? Like they didn't see politics in their, in their future. You know what I mean? Um, And so, and I think that's who we need running our government is people who, who have done this work, who are active in their communities. You know, like for example, talk about my president, Barack Obama, right? Like, (laughs) He was a community organizer yeah. before he went into politics. Which is tough work, by the way. Um, I used to be a community organizer for a, a stint, and it's it's really tough work. If you care about what you're doing, it's really tough work. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it can be quite painful. So <sighs> I just, I think it's important for people to pay attention to their municipal elections. And I actually feel like they're more important. I mean, like our national elections are obviously important, but the stuff that hits you where you live, the stuff that controls like your child's education, the Mm -hmm. stuff that controls the air quality in your city, you know, all of those things, that's municipal. Those are local things. Mm -hmm. And I, and I want people to know, I don't think people know the power of municipalities. I didn't until so I don't know if you're familiar with the Elizabeth Epps case. Yep. But I will say when I went and to that, I went to her final hearing before they took her to jail and I had researched it and, you know, the governor was trying to get her out mm-hmm. and he couldn't. So far listeners, like this has been a big case um, in the Delaware oh, yeah, area. We're, it's, it's pretty complicated. We're not going to go into it here, but you can just Google Elizabeth Epps and yeah, you'll it'll come it up. Yeah. yeah, it'll come yeah. up for sure. There's an article in Essence about it. I'm quoted. Yeah. So, <laughs> no, but it was what, what I'm saying though, is what I realized from that 
was nobody could intervene. The only people who could do anything about it were the city council and the mayor. Yep. So I'm just saying it, they, it matters. You know, mm-hmm. these municipal elections matter and people should know who's running their county and so on. So that's part of my mission, too, is I want people to walk out of this movie and be like, who the fuck is my city council person? Because mm-hmm. I need and to I talk to them. I just have to say, because like, I've done city council races as well as, as part of as staff. And I just have to say that people, I think, don't, they're so disconnected from it. And I understand why but they're so disconnected from that. Sometimes they don't realize that your city council person lives in your neighborhood. They're literally your neighbor. Yeah. <laughs> and you, you can go can talk to them and you should be to able. And I'd like to, I'm going to shout out one of my local in Colorado, my state house representative, James Coleman, because he's my, he's our house district, you know, state level person. That dude will give you his phone number and you can call him anytime. And he's like always out in the community. Like to me, I love that. Like you can be like, hey, I have this concern and he will listen to you. Right. And so, yeah, that's what your city council person is there for. And some of these people don't know that that's what they're here for. <clears throat> and that's why they got to go. So now that you've been documenting this process of running for office, what has it taught you about politics in America? Girl. It's taught me you got to pay to play and it is so it's all about, it's all about the money. And that part of it has actually been really heartbreaking for me. So just tell the listeners how much money it, how much money you have to raise to be able to run for a local office. I mean, a minimum, a minimum I would, from going forward right now is probably about $250,000. And that's, I'll just say from experience, that's like, that's not a lot. That's what I'm saying. There's campaigns that are raising way more money. And if you Mm want to know how they're getting it, a a lot of times they're getting it from out-of-state funders. So just Mm -hmm. know that. Yeah. Whether you think it's good or bad, I'm not telling you what to think about it. I'm telling you to think about the fact (laughs) that these, these campaigns that are for local office that are running budgets at a million plus dollars, mm-hmm. they're oftentimes getting that money from outside of the state. And then you got to look at why. Yeah. So there's a lot that goes into it. That's what I'm saying though, is that I, I, people can't, can't do it. You know, like you just, like, it makes you not a viable candidate when you don't have the money and you don't have the resources. And that comes up in my film. I mean, there's, there's, there's already been some, some really sad things that have happened Mm -hmm. to, you know, to the women that I'm, I'm following and, and frustrating things. So I would say for me, the money piece is huge. Um, And when developers want you, they get you. They can write very big checks. Yeah. And so, and so then, yeah. So to me, it's like, follow the money, follow the money, follow the money. Mm-hmm. And if you do in that. Politics, you, like, yeah. This is what I learned from, in politics, if you want to know what's real, follow the money. And if you're somebody like in journalism, if you're looking at the news, if you want to know what's real, follow the lie. Mm. Um, and you will always get to the root of what's actually going down if you follow those two streams. <laughs> so yeah. Just yeah. A, a quick tip. It takes a ton of work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
was worth doing, right? If we're going to like change this world, because that's ultimately what I am trying to do is I'm trying to change people's hearts and minds. Mm-hmm. So what is the impact you hope to have with this film? I hope to encourage and discourage. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, I want to encourage people to run for office, but I want them to go into it with like a very realistic expectation of what's going to happen. Because I think people will gas you up. People will tell you, you can do it. You know, Emerge is one of those organizations. They like get you ready to, to run for office and they're, you know, are given support or whatever. And it's like, I think they tell you that, but they don't tell you the real story of what it really takes and compromises that you may have to make and compromises that you may not be willing to make. Do you think that they should though? Should what? Have that conversation. To say to them how hard it is? No, I think not to say uh, it's hard. Yeah, they should be prepping them for the fact that it's maybe going to be the hardest thing you've ever done in your life. Um, But I feel like it's such a a unique experience that you can't know if that first run means that you're going to have to compromise who you are at your core. I think the longer you've been in politics, the more you need to look at that person. Because to exist in that place for Mm -hmm. a very long time, I'm sorry, they have made compromises at their core of who they are that you just don't know about. Yeah. Um, But when I think about an organization like Emerge, which I am a fan of, by the way, I think they're doing good work in trying to prep um, non-traditional candidates and encourage them to run. Because sometimes the hardest part is just deciding you know, to make that decision, to give it a go. Um, But I don't know that their job is to discourage. I think they should be real about it for sure. But I don't know. I don't know. I have mixed feelings about that one. And that's all right. I mean, I just want, I want people to know and not just know, but I want them to see it, Mm -hmm. you know, and to help that inform people. And then also to know, like, emerge if you're supporting people in the ways they really need support. Yeah, that's a good point. I can't say more because I signed my own NDA. <laughs> <laughs> that part is a good point. Yeah. And, I, and I will say I've been out of politics for long enough at this point that I'm not connected to those organizations anymore. Yeah. Um, I don't really know what they're doing at this point. <laughs> so. Well, so, so I, I, yeah, I do think it's an interesting, I just think it's interesting. And I think people should know more about civics. I also feel like it's an education piece. Like I'm not, a, I'm, I'm ashamed of the stuff that I'm ignorant about. Mm. Okay. Around, around, especially around local politics or how our government works. Right. Yeah. So like, I, I remember I had, cause we had, we had house representative James Coleman on my show on off color. And I was like, um, what, what, what do you do exactly? How did you get elected? What, you know? And I just didn't realize this is so embarrassing, but you know what? I'm going in, I'm going in. Here I go. (laughs) I didn't realize that we, that the state legislature was, is like the same as the federal. Like, it's like, we have a house and a Senate, you know what I mean? Like, I just didn't, I just didn't realize that. And that that's who that person is. They're, they're at the federal level. Like, that's what you mean. Yeah, but they're not, but they're the federal, they're the state level, but it's like, I just, right. 
I just never paid attention to it. The only thing I paid attention to is U.S. Senate, right? Mm-hmm. And U.S. House of Congress, because those are, that's like our basic thing. Like, I feel like when you learn I'm just a bill on Capitol Hill or whatever, right? And they show you the government, they just show you like the federal. Mm-hmm. They don't necessarily get into the state legislature. So Which now I- ton of control. Exactly. A that's ton. why I've got- legal weed. That's why people ban in abortions and shit. That's why, you know what I mean? You're having stop and frisk and checking people in, you know, so, so there's a lot. Yeah. I just didn't, I just didn't realize it. And so I was like, listen, I can't be the only person that doesn't know that. Well, you're not. I think that it's, it's an accurate representation of how the average American, how much they know just because we're, we are not effectively educated on this stuff in our public school system. We're just not. And I'll say I went to a good public school Mm -hmm. and I still got into college, you know, working on my little degree in political science. And I was like, wait, (laughs) wait, 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 wait. I didn't understand how that works. Can you please repeat that? And then once you see all the very many layers that go into Mm -hmm. government and how hierarchical it is and how it actually works and, and really, even sitting in a classroom learning about it is not the same as when I was, you know, in internships in city council and learning this stuff, yeah. and being in policy making offices and like seeing how a policy is played out by the actual organization that has to implement that policy. It's there's it's just so nuanced. I know there's so many things. And my thing, and when I say that, I'm like, I can't be the only one. Girl, I am highly educated, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't, con- uh-oh, here she comes. She's a big old star. <laughs> I don't consider myself like an average American, right? Like mm-hmm. I traveled, I've lived abroad. I speak more than one language, you know, like, uh, and and I'm like, how could I not know this basic information about my own country? Mm-hmm. So we don't effectively teach it. We don't have good pedagogy around it. I'm sorry. We just mm-mm, don't. Mm-mm. We just I'm don't. with it. I'm with it. So yeah. So let. So now I have to do it all. Black women, you know. <laughs> <laughs> now I got to save everybody, educate everybody, and take care of my kids and husband. <laughs> you definitely have a lot of balls in the air. You're working on the film, but you also have a couple of other projects going on simultaneously, right? So you're doing something called Versa which I'll have you explain. And you're a stand-up comedian, which I didn't oh, even know until today. I started, I tried, I tried. I, I, um, I've been going to an open mic, a local open mic. I've always kind of wanted to try it, but Janae Burris, who runs this open mic here in Denver at uh, the Black Buzzard, she came on my show. That's how I met her. Don't you just love podcasting, by the way? Because I feel like I, I do. meet so meet many everyone. amazing women. <laughs> and for me, because I'm all about people of color, like I just feel like it has helped me tap into the community here in a way that I'm really happy about the work that we've been doing. But anyway, so she wanted to have more people, more women of color get into comedy. And I told her a little story about how my daddy used to say, Ooh, Rebecca, you should be a stand up comedian. And he said, <laughs> and, you know, and, and, and it was so funny. And she said, You know, little girls don't get told that they're funny. Mm. And she thought that was like really special that my dad had said that to me. And I was like, You know what? I'm hilarious. I was like, I'm coming down this open mic. So I started writing some jokes. 
And I was like, these are all terrible. That's fine. And then <laughs> I tried them out. I, I always take a shared lift before I go to open mic. And I do uh-huh. my I do my routine in the lift. Oh, that's a good <laughs> tactic. How did that go? They're always like, the first time I did it, it was a kind of amazing because my driver was from um, Libya. And I, I said, oh, you know do you know so-and-so like people are like, really for real? Like you're going to ask me that. Like, you know, I'm supposed to know every Libyan. And then, but he did, he totally knew. He totally knew my friends. He knew like they got divorced. Like it was so funny. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to tell my jokes. And then I tell my joke. And then he goes, he's like, "Mm, it's joke. I should laugh. I didn't. (laughs) And I was like, you should be stand up. So it was really, it's been really fun and it's, it's really hard. It's so hard, but just doing it that first time, now that I've done it, I'm like, I feel comfortable and knowing too, that you're going to like, most of your jokes are going to suck and people are not going to laugh or people are, you know, and that's Mm -hmm. okay. And it's been really fantastic for me doing that. And then also I really like it, like just being like a woman, you know, like I love that Janae has created this open mic where lots of people can go and feel comfortable. And it's a really, it's really great. So I'm, I, I've been, I've been loving it, but I do think, yes. Am I going to have a Netflix comedy special? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Netflix, you listening? <laughs> I love that. I think I have so much respect for comedians because I think it is hard. I mean, I've never tried to do stand-up before. It's not Girl, come down on Tuesday. You can try. Uh, I don't see myself doing stand-up. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, come, watch, get me. It. come like, watch me. I'll come watch you. But I love comedians because it's like this incredible mix of, of guts and vulnerability and real honest intelligence. Comedians are some of the smartest people I've ever met Mm -hmm. because their skills of observation and be able to like pull out the salient point on Mm -hmm. the right in the moment is that's a talent. That's a a really great talent. So I, my hat is off to you. I'm not getting up there. (laughs) (laughs) I'll come watch. All right. Cool. Cool. I'll be there. (laughs) Wonderful. Wonderful. So Rebecca, where can our folks find you? Um, you can find me everywhere. So on the, I have a website now called uh, www.tantigress.com. And that sort of is like the hub for all of my projects. So you can, if you go there, you can sign up for the mailing list. You can become um, a Patreon if you're interested in supporting financially. Are you interested in supporting financially? Girl, put a dollar on that. <laughs> you're asking me? Yes. Okay. I got you. <laughs> Okay. So there's a few, a few things going on there with that. That is my um, spot. And then I also, I'm on Facebook. It's Tan Tigress. I go by Rebecca Henderson also, but that's my personal stuff. So if I don't know you, you are not getting no ad. I'm going to tell you right now because <laughs> I have accidentally added some mutual friends and it did not work out. <laughs> Woo. So um, Tan Tigress. Also the podcast, I want to I want to combine things more, so I'm working on it. But I also have the Off Color podcast pages on Facebook, and that so you can follow us there. Um, on Twitter, it's Off Color Pod. Actually, I would like more people to follow that because we don't have a lot of followers on there. But my own personal Twitter is Rebecca Mendation. <laughs> <laughs> it's R E B E K A H 
M-E-N-D-A-T-I-O-N, because I like to Rebecca men things. And I like to tell people they better Rebeccanize. And I have like a whole thing around that. Um, so I love Twitter, actually. Twitter is like where I'm at most of the time. And I'm on Instagram, Tantigris. Damn, I, I'm a lot of places. Yeah, you got to start combining some stuff so it's easy for people to find you. I know. You're a professional with that. I know that, girl. We can talk about it later. But <laughs> I, because I wanted to change my Twitter to Tan Tigers, but like I couldn't do it because Rebecca Mendation just too good. It's too good. Well, you can keep them both, but you have to just like figure out what's the flow. They, they're different personas. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, are they though? That's one thing I will say about myself is I feel like I am always myself. And no, you are. I, so I'll correct myself. They're different audiences. Yeah. Everybody's yeah. not going to come across. So you just have to think about who is the main person on Twitter, who is the main person on Instagram. And so your voice is going to be, your voice and tone is a little bit different per the yes. That's Are all. you giving me coaching? Are you giving me free coaching right now? <laughs> I guess I am. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, Rebecca, thank you so much for joining us. I'm excited to check out your new film when it's done. Um, I I have a feeling it's going to be a little bit like flashbacks for me. <laughs> so. Yeah. My little, little PTSD, political <laughs> induced Maybe. trauma. I mean, <laughs> me, like a lot of people left politics because I just got so burned out on it. I just couldn't. Yeah. I didn't want to live my life that way anymore. So... <laughs> yeah. I think there'll be some some things in there that you're gonna really enjoy in the film. I might watch it and go have to make an appointment with my therapist again. <laughs> <laughs> I left for these reasons. <laughs> Help me. All right, that's good. That's good. All right, mm-hmm. folks. Thank you for joining us for another show of That's What She Did podcast. Make sure you follow the Tan Tigers. There is only one of her. So she ain't going to be hard to find. And she is a riot online. It's no surprise to me that you're doing stand-up comedy. (laughs) I'm going to check it out at some point. I just have to see that. But until next time, y'all, we out. Peace.